We all know that developing a great game is one thing, but developing a great game business can be something else entirely. That's why some of the top game developers in the industry use Iron Source's game growth platform to turn their amazing games into amazing game businesses. Now, when it comes to content, these guys don't mess around. You may have heard of the Level Up podcast and Medium blog, which feature game industry experts talking all things game design, development, and growth. Head to ironsource.com to learn more. That's www.ironsrc.com. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Twig78. If you didn't notice, we were off last week as a few of us have been a little bit swamped. But we are back and we're definitely getting a lot of content lined up. Also, a lot of incoming requests to get on the podcast. So we should have a lot of really cool content coming up soon. And as always, if any of you out there have Request for content or feedback. We really do like hearing from you. But getting on to the the podcast itself, today we are covering four articles. First, Valve, more games are finding success on Steam than ever before by VentureBeat. Secondly, PS5 has limited release plans in 2020 by Bloomberg. Third, Silicon Valley is racing to build the next version of the internet. Fortnite get there first by the Washington Post. And fourth, Facebook to introduce an app for gaming by the New York Times. A few quick updates on my side. First, on console development, as per our discussion from the last podcast a couple of weeks ago, I made some comments about how console games are delayed and didn't think console devs could work from home. So I had a call with a console developer friend of mine and also got some feedback on LinkedIn and Twitter. Apparently, what I'm now hearing is that all console games are delayed a little bit, but it's not too bad. And the friend I spoke to doesn't think it's bad enough to miss holidays for many of the, at least for the big studios. And also, there was a question about dev kits needing to stay at the office and game data being behind a firewall at the office. And so it's still not clear to me whether platforms are waiving this issue, but it does sound like a bunch of console guys are definitely working from home. So I was wrong on that part. Eric, yeah, I mean, I, I would basically agree with what you just said. I think my kind of the general feedback I'm getting is that artists have a tough time because it's far more collaborative. Motion capture and voiceover are a real challenge, obviously, because there's no real workarounds around that, although the bigger teams kind of have a benefit there. Um, and development itself seems to be less impacted, you know, those that are just doing coding because it's kind of an isolating type thing. You know, I think all of them are working at less than full capacity. I don't can't can't imagine you could say that they're working at 100%, but I don't think it really should impact any of the big titles this year. And to be clear, I mean, you know, the top 10 titles, right? Call of Duty, Madden, FIFA, Assassin's Creed, Halo, Cyberpunk, etc. And I think the uh, smaller teams are likely having a much more difficult time because they have no way of diverting uh, resources. So for instance, if you have a motion capture studio in Senegal, right? and then a motion capture student in uh, Canada, you're kind of screwed, right? Because you're not going to be able to... Oh, sorry, if you don't have the, the Senegal one, then you can't do motion capture, right? So anyway, if you have um, redundancies and more of a bigger organization, you probably can get through a lot of these issues easier, shall we say. And CD Projekt confirms that their game is on track. There's no way Call of Duty, Madden, FIFA, Assassins, any of those games are are, are going to be delayed. So I think we are good for the big triple a's this year great and one other update is in terms of disney sorcerers you know i know we've been a little bit negative on that game i still am not super positive but sounds like there's some positive news or positive momentum around 
or investor sentiment around that. Eric, do you want to give us an update in terms of what you're hearing? Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that it's actually doing exactly what I expected it to be doing, except the weird part is that, that glue is not spending against it. So rather than spending against their game, their new game, they're spending against catalog, right? So they're bumping up design home and uh, even Kim Kardashian, as opposed to spending money on their new game. So the, the monetization is actually really, really good, but they're talking about like a huge numbers from their golden cohort and drive driven primarily by the U S. And so the numbers, if you look at RPI basis, it looks amazing, but they're not scaling it. So the question is what happens when they, if, when, and if they start to scale. And the notion I think is that they likely saw the UA spend of like eight to $10 or something. And then, then they freaked out and realized that they're not going to earn it back for ever right you know 18 24 months or or never right and they started spending on those things that have a much quicker return right so design home and, and kim kardashian so it's 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 an interesting move and we've been debating on it and and what happened is our buddy jeff cohen wrote a note saying that that it was not looking good and and the stock got destroyed and then i think three other analysts on wall street which i don't think really understand mobile very well frankly basically said the opposite and the stock is is going up to almost $8 a share. And so both Jeff and I don't look very smart right now, but ultimately I think, you know, when when all is said and done, we will uh, we will probably be I still think we will be right, but uh but right now we are not looking wrong. But that's kind of what good stock calls kind of feel like sometimes, but it's it's a, it's a bit frustrating right now to see the stock go up so much, although it is down today, so maybe uh, maybe the this short squeeze is kind of over and, and people are getting a little bit more sense about this name. So anyway, moving on. All right. So quick note to people looking for a bargain during these economically challenging times. If you have a PlayStation as part of their Play Apart initiative, Sony is giving away two free games, Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection, and two, the critically acclaimed Journey. You've got until May 5th to claim these games. And you get to keep them forever. So grab some free games. And final update is about policy in terms of service. So first, Google has recently updated their developer policy to address deceptive behavior. I'll leave a link in the show notes, but long story short, seems like Google wants to crack down on misleading ads and ad creatives, as well as deceptive ways to make users tap on shit like an ad. So I definitely think that we're going to see different behavior, especially when it comes to ads. And the second update is around Facebook, who have updated their terms of service. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes. But now, based on their new terms of service, you can't collect device-level data. There's no retargeting, no targeting or optimization, no ad targeting, no fingerprinting, no ability to use data to improve your products. The big implication here is that given all this, marketers will no longer as far as I can tell, be able to do LTV or ROAS types of analysis. And I think the potential impact of this is pretty big. So I do think it'd be good to get a couple of UA experts on to talk through this with us. I'll try and pull a couple guys for the next week or two, but I actually think the implications of this are very important. Eric, update? It seems insane. Wow. <laughs> it is insane. <laughs> Wait, what? That's a hell of a morning. No ad targeting, no ability to use data to improve your products. What does that mean? Like you can't, like I'm assuming everybody has their own analytics in their own companies. So this just means that you're not reporting it to Facebook or what? Uh, 
I wouldn't want to comment on this because I I'm not sure, but I do think that there's some folks that I know who are talking to lawyers and it'd be good to talk through what the implications are. So yeah, let's let's get a few experts yeah. on. But yeah, it, <laughs> next it, time on Quig, the entire mobile gaming it, industry. It does not look good though. It, it, it looks very very bad. <laughs> it yeah. sounds it yeah. Sounds, wow. It, okay. It's, it, it sounds too bad to be true, to be honest. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. God, I feel like I'm missing a week. I have I haven't had my outlet of rants, you know. So I have a lot of things bottled up uh, over the last couple of weeks that are driving me insane. Uh, the first one is that clearly the video game industry is doing quite well right now across even mobile and console. And I read Eric Seifert's piece on the impending doom and gloom of global depression, global recession, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, I, I, I really respect Eric, but I think he's really conflating his own opinion of what is likely to come as a, and, and putting that on the video game space because I just don't think uh, things are nearly as bad as, as he seems to think. And uh, anyway, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but I, I think the latest article is a little bit uh, off now, on many huh? different things, but we so should get it, Eric back on. Haven't talked through that. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> we can debate. Yeah, no, but anecdotally, this is what's driving me insane. And I have to get this off my chest. And I hope none of the people that I'm talking about actually listen to this podcast. But <laughs> so I have a 10 year old boy and arguably I let him play video games way too early in his life. And I will admit that. Right. But his friends and his and the parents of his friends are you know, also in the same boat about when to introduce these type of things, right? And over the last two weeks, I have had five sets of parents, five, reach out to me and tell them, ask me, how can we get my kid hooked up on PlayStation to play with Jacob, right? Now, the, that doesn't sound too bad, but the problem is these are the most self-righteous douchebags about video games I've ever met. They are like the holdouts, right? <laughs> these kids are 10 and they've been like, looking at me sideways, but, you know, give me a hard time, you know, like, you know, not directly, but indirectly in the worst possible way. Right. And they won't, they don't want their kids playing games. You know, like this one good woman is like a PhD from Stanford in English lit. Right. She is still whittling wooden toys for her child. Right. And she reached out to get me to come hooked up on a PlayStation and they're like playing Fortnite last night. And I'm like, I feel freaking vindicated, right? Because I've been dealing with this for years and years and years with this parent body of like rich, you know, entitled, self-righteous people. And now all of them are playing video games for two reasons. One, they don't know what the fuck to do with their kid because they're home all day. And two, there's no social interaction besides video games, right? So they're in there, they have no communication with the outside world. And so now they come to us, come to me, their savior to help them. <laughs> entertain and and even socialize their children and i feel absolutely vindicated on this whole thing if anybody has an uh, experience like that please let me know because i'm just uh, it's killing me right now but so, you know that's anyway. kind of a silicon valley thing there's a lot of silicon valley parents who just don't want their kids on devices or electronics for a long time but yeah i'm like you though eric like my oldest son started when he was one and like all my kids <laughs> start playing games from between one to three. You know exactly. And, and now my kids are the freaking heroes, right? Because they all know how to do this stuff. And these kids are like fumbling around with controllers and, and mics and headphones. And they're like, have no idea how to connect to the freaking internet. You know, come on, let's come on, bring it to the, bring it to the modern age, you know, and, and, and engage your kids, right? Minecraft and 
there's just so much stuff out there that's so great for kids on games and anyway so well, i will say this just kind of quick other maybe like additional update while we're talking about this is that uh house party epics house party is like everybody's jumping on that all my kids are on house party my five-year-olds randomly calling different people on house party <laughs> it's freaking crazy but i think they got like 50 million new users last month but it's nuts how crazy kids are going over house party and as if epic didn't need any more good luck right <laughs> yeah, no doubt. yeah 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 Anyway, video no, games is hot, hot, hot. House party. And, and I just so, joined House Party, and it's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> Every time oh, you open up the app, random people are calling you, or like your friends are calling you. But like, I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't instigate this. So as soon as I open a House Party, I find I have to immediately close it. Otherwise, somebody's going to call me in the middle of something. Right? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, a I mean, weird I, app. And the other thing I keep telling my clients, like, it's like if. You're, you're getting the converted, right? So you're basically converting a whole segment of the population right now that has never been converted before, right? That's nothing but good things. That's like, it's like the uh, Fortnite impact, right? So everyone's like, oh my God, it's the end of days. Fortnite's going to take all the time away from everyone else playing other games, blah, 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 right? And the market's going to go to shit because free to play is going to take over. No, that's not the way it works, right? You bring in a huge swath of people to play video games and they're going to buy other video games, right? They're not going to just keep playing the same game over and over again, which kind of felt that way for a while, I'll be honest. But it's like, it's all good for the industry. And so when, when Seaford, and I think he was kind of taking away the, the console space, he's talking more about mobile, but when, when they start talking negatively about the console space, it's like, that's just not the way the world works, man. Like people play these games, they get converted and they're in, they're in the system, right? And we're getting more and more people into the system right now now, these people are not going to buy five or six games a year. There's no doubt. But are they likely to buy something like FIFA or Madden you know, this year? Probably, right? Because they're a casual player that love, you know, that sports is okay, right? So anyway, I think this trend in the video game industry, particularly on the console uh, side, I think will likely continue throughout this, this mess. And, and, and mobile trends look strong too. And, and I don't know if that will be maintained, but... Um, but there are certain things like social casino, which look really good because none of those old freaking ladies want to go to the goddamn casino. Right. So they're going to play at home with their, their digital versions. Right. It makes total sense. So anyway, Eric, I would love to get you on and start debating, but I think what would end up coming to is not whether or not video games are in a good spot. It would be more about what the macroeconomic debt ceiling, you know, macro global economic downturn blah, blah 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 and all that stuff and and that's not what i want to talk about so anyway if you look at the stats for video games right now everything is up and to the right i think that should be able to maintain for the rest of the year given the lineup and and some of the good titles that are coming out next gen consoles and frankly the stocks are all trading like what i'm saying right so it's not like i mean the market is basically spoken like the ea is like an almost at an all-time high right or at least a 12-month high um and, and so is activision so so investors feel the same way. Anyway, so hopefully they live up to the hype. So investors are correct with EA, but not with glue. Not with glue, no. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the market has spoken, Eric. Okay, the market has spoken. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. I, I'm picking and choosing. God damn it! No, no. So here's where here's where I'm right or wrong. I, I I will admit what I'm wrong on this glue thing, right? So. Disney Sorcerer's Champions, basically, they were saying it was going to do 50 to 70 million in calendar 20, right? Net, right? I'm saying the thing will do 25 to 25 million net, right? Based on app, any, and sensor tower. So 
that's basically it, right? If it does t- more than 25 million, I'm wrong. If it does less than 25 million, I'm right, right? So, but I, I mean, I, if it does 70 million, then I'm an, then I'm definitely an idiot, okay? So anyway, so that, that I'll, I'll, I'll throw the line in the sand there, but I think I'm still expecting it to do 25 million net for the year. Anyway, continue. All right, so I've got two updates just with shooters. Since we haven't been on for two weeks now, uh, Warzone, uh, which I think last week hit its 50 million downloads in a month milestone, uh, which was actually the same record as Apex Legends during its launch. So even though actually Warzone, you know, had a stronger start, looks like it's actually netting out to the same amount of, of viewership and players that Apex Legends had at launch. But just like Apex, viewership is dropping. Um, and I think really like they're trying to defend against Apex, against Valorant, against all the other shooters for attention. And my big push here is that I would be really focusing on big events and live content to keep players engaged. I think right now is a very, very important time with COVID and uh, you can continue to, to kind of command attention, but I think live content is really what you have to learn from Apex. Uh, Eric, you wanted to mention something? Yeah, I mean, come on. Valorant is totally cheating, dude. Like doing the bot <laughs> thing where you're getting these people to pl- just to view this stuff so that they can get in the beta. I mean, sure, come on. Sure. I mean, it's brilliant, and I, I and the marketing guy should be applauded. And and uh, but seriously, I don't know if that's really impacting what's going on with Call of Duty. So, uh, my, well, my, the metrics that we can see on Warzone, right, are that the rate of viewership drop is roughly the same as Apex, right? All right. So public metrics. I'd love to Fine. see their DAU. I'd love uh, to see their ME. Dude, they're crushing not it. Happen. I'll tell you right now, they're freaking crushing it. Like they are destroying yeah. it. They are finally, finally figured this thing out, right? Where both Warzone and the core game are monetizing well. And and I think the the, the numbers are going to be insanely good. So I, I, that's my mm-hmm. my bet. Um, my twin so brother is- no, So no Call of Duty this year. <laughs> there's no new Call of Duty this year. Oh no, Back there's going to be a new one. <laughs> but it's not going to be it's not going to be good. Um yeah. the twin my uh my twin brother is absolutely addicted to this thing. So he's like divorced with kids at home and they got nothing to do and so all he's doing is playing this stupid game over and over again. And the good news for me is that he's being competitive. So maybe I actually will become more competitive cuz him and I are basically the same, right? So maybe this old man can get back into it, but I don't know think I'm going to spend the time. But uh but there could be hope. hours a day. I know exactly. Twelve hours a day. Yeah, that's all I need. Twelve hours a day to freaking play Call of Duty. Moving on. And second update is on Valorant. So, um, as I think everybody knows, Valorant hit about 1.7 million viewers two weeks ago, and has kept its dominant position on Twitch. It's still number one um, over two weeks later. Um, It's currently at about I think about 500k average daily viewers, down from the 1.7. Um, but comparing to 200K for League, which is, I think, in third place right now, like it's still, you know, quite large. And in terms of cannibalization, I think that was, a, that was definitely a big concern from, from Eric and myself. It doesn't look like there's much so far, at least from public metrics. It looks like it's eating, at least in the Warzone. Warzone is dropping quite a bit. Um, Apex um, looks like it's dropped a little bit in terms of viewership um, and potentially CSGO, uh, which has hit a peak, but now it's starting to decline. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege, Fortnite, and League of Legends all seem completely unfazed by Valorant and uh, this whole marketing campaign. But uh, I will say that it's really hard to get a full read on Valorant's future right now, um, since the Twitch numbers are all inflated. Like when I read a lot of reviews, et cetera, 
they're all pointing to the, the Twitch viewership numbers as kind of proof that this game is going to be insanely uh, popular. But the viewers are essentially just waiting on a beta code um, by leaving their streams on. Um, and feedback from viewers was mostly just out of boredom and frustration. So if you just kind of watch the comment streams on Valorant, it's pretty funny. Um, just because people waiting on codes. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny to watch. But overall, the marketing strategy is very likely a net positive. It's got a dominant position on Twitch, number one, which means more streamers are organically jumping in and sustaining on that bandwagon. Because my belief is that streamers tend to follow where the viewers are, not only where, not always just where they prefer to play. So wherever the viewers are is where the money is. And I think as long as they continue to keep those inflated numbers, uh, streamers will continue to jump on that bandwagon. So I think this, this campaign, even though there's some funniness in terms of boredom and frustration, was definitely a big positive for this game. Um, my personal review on Valorant is that they absolutely nailed the fundamentals. Um, I think they did an excellent CSGO-like game with the hero, um, uh, hero powers on top of it. Um, and whether they can pull and sustain an audience is what, personally, I have a really hard time reading because I personally just don't really play a lot of CSGO-like games. Um, and, I, and I can't really see the full value add that Valorant has other than they really did nail the fundamentals and it's Riot. And I think a lot of people have a lot of uh, goodwill towards them. Um, my fear after watching the feedback is just like trying to define how big of an audience they can pull. Because if you think about CSGO and Overwatch, which is it's kind of pulling from, and you think about the Venn diagram between them, like the Overwatch players are not going to play this game at all. It's extremely high skill. Um, it's extremely low TTK and very slow and methodical combat. Um, and as well, you know you failed. So this is really much more like CSGO and Rainbow Six Siege. Um, modes are also extremely limited, so it's really down to that CSGO audience. Whether they can actually pull them over time um, is really uh, what I want to be watching. And so far, as I've talked about before, viewership on CSGO has been volatile, but not really shown much signs. And CSGO CCUs have actually been growing because I think CSGO has been adding a ton of live content events as well as even adding like hero skins to their game um, to try to you know keep up with the trends. Um, but I'm going to continue to watch CSGO streamers and see where they go. But so far, Riot looks good. Like they've created the right Twitch viewership frenzy in a position to start clawing away play players from CSGO. It's just a, it's going to be a long-term project, I think, for them. Eric? Yeah, I mean, I just reiterate, I think Riot guys are doing a great job of marketing this game. And the game looks reasonably solid. And from a tech perspective, it actually did quite well, which was a potential risk uh, for them. And I, you know, I, I think the game will find an audience, but I, I will say this again, the cannibalization thing is if uh, they find the biggest audience possible and they make a dollar versus $20 they make at League of Legends, then no bueno. Um, so anyway, I think we'll, we will see because there is no monetization in this game right yet. Huh? Yeah, and to be honest, they, they kind of beefed up their deep skin system as like a potential monetization. It doesn't look like it's there yet. So it, this looks like a like a minimum viable. Um, yeah, there's yeah. there's not a lot there. I mean, even 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 the graphics for the uh, spell powers evidently are not kind of complete. They're kind of like, you know, uh, placeholder type things. So they they got some they got some time and work ahead of them, I suppose. And Eric, I wrote about cannibalization on GG Digest, the newsletter, so we can talk about that maybe next week. But the question I have is this Twitch drop thing is is this the first time anyone's done that 
And it seemed like it was a massive success. Is that worth diving into more detail about in terms of like this uh, tactic and how people did it? Oh, yeah, like, I got like using using beta keys dropping on Twitch as a marketing yeah. tool yeah. to open up. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody's used a system like this. I can't think of it. I no, I think I think it is the first time. I did hear something from the channel which I can't really kind of talk about, but ultimately I think it's just a legitimate strategy going forward to you know push people onto Twitch. Um, and then it'll also create a lot of false positives, right? Because people will think that, oh my God, this thing is huge and amazing. But ultimately it's because they're just pushing this stuff. But um, but I don't think that's the case with Riot. I think this game is gonna be massive. And I think, you know, like but then again, it's only it seems to be only going after the CSGO people. It's, it, it doesn't look like it's gonna be going after more of the mass market type, you know, it seems very niche and core, right? overall just right. in mind with csgo like csgo was still beating call of duty beating apex in terms of twitch viewership for years before this. Right. so the csgo audience is big so going even going after that audience is fine right all right moving on to the first article valve more games are finding success on steam than ever before so basically valve released a report suggesting that more games are finding success on steam and the primary metric they use to indicate this success are the number of new games that earned at least $10,000 in its first two weeks. So Valve showed a graph showing this number has been growing steadily, including an 18% increase in 2019 compared to 2018. And that number seemed to be, I mean, I didn't get the exact numbers from the graph, but it was between 1,100 and 1,200 in 2019. They also suggested that the Median game released in 2019 earned 24% more during the first two weeks than 2018. My own take on this is that my assumption is that a lot of games, especially for this unit sold or premium games model, should make a big chunk of their money in the first two weeks. So this really sounds like a really low number to me, but I, I, I mean, I guess if the focus is really small indies, like, I guess that's fine. Well, to be, to be completely fair, like if you read deeper into the, the Valve article, yeah. they did show the data source, which they show for a bigger window. Cause like 10,000, like, come on, <laughs> right? Like, like that seems odd, but, but the, the multiple actually holds up when you started looking, I think it was up to 250 K okay. within the first two weeks. So then I was like, okay, now this is a little bit more of a valid, <laughs> right like like a uh, uh, research right like 10k in two weeks like what is that is that like a hobby game that you build in two weeks or what is this like how can anyone make a living right i mean like... i i don't even know why they put something like this out this is this was from valve like yeah. i mean uh, how this, can... this was from valve themselves yeah who who's the audience for this right i mean it's like it makes no sense to write something like this i mean i think they're just trying to compete against the narrative that uh indie apocalypse is on steam and that anybody who's a more hobbyist indie game designer needs to move to mobile in order to make the money oh i get it i get it but that that's kind of already been well whatever okay yeah i'm not even gonna comment this is a stupid article that makes no sense and the metrics are meaningless and the numbers are so low like who gives a shit you know like I mean, I guess for those really super, super small indies, it's great. But, you know, Valve is losing and, and, and <laughs> end of story, right? Yeah, well, one thing, yeah, the, I'm just looking at the data now. They, you have to really dig into this one. But then it gets to a point where the number of games earning 250K in the first two weeks, which I think is more like a, an indie success line, right? Yes, has improved from 2013 until 2019. 
Um, I, it doesn't show it in line with the number of releases. But then again, as we know from app stores, right, like 90% of the stuff that people submit to these platforms, unfortunately, is garbage, right? Um, and it's really like the professional, like looking at professional game developers and looking at the, the amount of developers that can find success gives you uh, an idea of the um, health of the platform. And I think on mobile, we did a report on Twig, what was it, last late last year with Mishka? where we were talking about kind of like a, a mobile publishers and the number. And so far it looks like, at least on the mobile side, the number of mobile publishers that can be successful on the platform is expanding, not shrinking. And it's a sizable number. Uh, Steam is probably trying to fight that narrative, but 10K is not the right number to mention. <laughs> All right, the next article is about PS5. Basically the article was a leak, I think from Bloomberg, basically saying that Sony's have limited plans on the PlayStation 5 output in the first year. Uh, they basically blamed more of the price as opposed to the potential supply chain issues with COVID. Um, but it's really unclear and, and, and the company is not responding. Now, this is actually counter to my assumption here is that I expected them to have a stronger launch um, because I think they want to do that to make... Uh, well, what are they? they basically want to show growth cycle over cycle. Um, but... Having said that, at a $500 price point, which has got to be where this thing is going to come, I think it does create a potential demand issue. And then I do believe that there may be some limits on supply chain. So, but if they can get five to six million units in the channel, that's a, that's a very, very respectable launch quantity. And I believe 100% that they will not, you will not be able to buy a console uh, in January, right? So they will have trouble replenishing and, and, and getting the stock back up to, up, to, up to snuff. So I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. I think my overall assumption on, which may be a little bit contrarian, is that we will not see a very high, we'll see a lower adoption rate on consoles this generation because actually our, our, because of the price point, first of all, but also because there is no much, not much difference between the two consoles compared to last cycle and the cycle before. Um, and a lot of other reasons that I can go into if you're interested. But um, but the first year doesn't really matter uh, to some degree because you basically won't be able to find it. So, Adam, yeah, did you take a take a look at the new controller, the white and black thing? Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> everyone was like, everyone was triggered by the controller. I was triggered by the controller because everyone's really hot and bothered with this thing, right? And I don't <laughs> understand it. It's exactly the same fucking controller with two-tone color, right? And they rename it DualSense to DualShock and all these PlayStation people are creaming in their jeans. And I'm like, dude, the controller is the same. It has the same analog sticks. It has a basically the same ident identical layout. The shoulder buttons are the same. The touchpad seems to be identical. It's just a different colors, right? But it's got haptic feedback in the triggers, man. Think of it, but, like but, now, but, now I can feel the shotgun as I'm firing it in Call of Duty. That's been done. <laughs> no, no one cares, right? I don't know why people are so excited about it, right? Anyway, I mean, I think the only difference really is the streamlined grip, so that like it's a little bit smaller and and streamlined for maybe small hands. So I don't know. These PlayStation people are nuts. <laughs> I just, it was nuts. Anyway, I, I, yeah, you're right. I was totally triggered because you wrote this article, and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway. Uh, third article, uh, Silicon Valley is racing to build the next version of the internet and Fortnite might get there first. Uh, this is by the Washington Post. I would, I would kind of categorize this as kind of a fun interest article. 
about the sci-fi chase to make the internet into a metaverse. Um, what a metaverse is, see Ready Player One or the book called Snow Crash. Uh, it's essentially a shared virtual space that's persistently online with its own economy, its own jobs, its own shopping, its own media. Hey, Adam, I'm ready to go, dude. Just yeah. jack me in, dude. I'm ready to leave this world and go into some kind of metaverse, dude. <laughs> you don't want to be here anymore. You don't want to be around all these San Francisco uh, hippy dippies with their kids anymore. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyways, the idea that um, they're talking about here is that there's going to be a singular meta metaverse, and that's going to be inevitable. And that VCs are chasing after this kind of single metaverse. Big example here is actually like Facebook Horizon, which is Facebook's initiative around creating a virtual reality social hub that everybody hangs out in because nobody wants to hang out in person anymore. Everybody's going to be hanging out in their virtual reality social hub. And if you actually remember, I think it was like two years ago when Mark Zuckerberg was live streaming himself from a natural disaster and flooded Puerto Rico. Like that was, that's what he's talking about here. This was, this is the next frontier of the internet is, is live streaming yourself from a natural disaster. Yeah. Article is actually referencing an article by Matthew Ball, who's an ex-Amazon exec who argues that Fortnite is currently in the best spot right now to actually create an effective metaverse. And like reading through Matthew's article, I would argue that he's kind of ignoring gaming history and how there's been plenty of metaverses and they've kind of all, you know, come up and come down in terms of popularity. So recently, of course, Minecraft, World of Warcraft, or sorry, World of Warcraft, uh, Second Life, Roblox, EVE Online. All before it and i think each of these had waves of being the game it just they started off a little bit smaller and have got, gotten bigger and bigger over time overall i agree with matthew ball in the sense that fortnite is in the best position to take advantage of it mainly because fortnite already has very very strong value it is a great game and has a massive audience because of that battle royale mode can retain that audience with its battle pass over time and can start introducing new modes and I think Fortnite's creative director has even come out and said that this is really his ambition to build on this base um, into more of a metaverse style idea. And that's probably why they're doing that whole like Travis Scott concert thing that they just announced. I'd argue it's in a better position than most Valley companies or VC backed ideas now. So if you're kind of a VC investing in a metaverse type of idea, right, you're going directly against games like Facebook. And I think you know, Facebook and Horizon, you know, which personally I think is targeting the wrong people with VR and really has like no onboarding ramp of value. Um, and I also think that VC startups that are trying to create a hit game first, you know, the, the, the chance of hitting a hit game are so small, right? And then to scale to a metaverse, that's a very, very risky bet. And I also believe that like Microsoft with Minecraft, who are trying to build their own metaverse there, you know, that, that IP is only faded with time. But the one thing is like with Fortnite, with its current situation, Fortnite's creative mode so far has not really done anything. It was introduced, I think, last year. It really has not gotten, gotten any headlines or gotten any players to kind of shift away from Battle Royale mode or start creating things inside of it. I would expect that, like, with Tim Sweeney's ambitions, that they're going to actually start investing in this mode and that it could actually try to push itself to a new engagement peak, going kind of with the Roblox strategy to kind of create a new, um, new frontier for, for Fortnite. This could give, you know, with their younger audience, um, something new to do. And I think, but I think like in general, they're just kind of fighting the tide because if Minecraft and World of Warcraft kind of say something is that IP that is relevant to kids fades with time. And I think Fortnite will eventually fade and then there's going to be a place for a new MMO game in its, in its place. Eric? Yeah, I mean, I, I think 
if he had actually changed the article to Epic has the has an opportunity here, I probably would be kind of more in agreement. I don't know about Fortnite itself, right? The biggest challenge that Fortnite have is there's really no ecosystem ecosystem of creators and users, or more specifically, creators and buyers, right? So Roblox has this in in spades, right? So they have tons of people that are building content as well as selling content and creating this ecosystem of buyers and sellers. You know, I don't really see that marketplace existing in Fortnite, uh, nor actually do I think that Fortnite itself is really a destination for that, you know? And, and I know this is anecdotal, but it makes sense is that if my kids want to be creative and stop shooting things, you know, they go to Minecraft and Roblox, right? They don't spend a lot of time building things in Fortnite. Now they did for a time when that feature came out and I will disagree a little bit. I think it became popular feature for a lot of the uh, streamers like uh, YouTube guys and stuff uh, to do these crazy maps. But um, but it's not the same type of ecosystem and, and e- economy that's being built from Roblox into a lesser degree Minecraft. And that is, I think, what you need to create in order to create the quote unquote metaverse. And 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 I will also agree that some of these startups that are being funded by you know Andreessen and others um, are really going to have a tough time like scaling to any type of level uh, without insane amounts of investment, unless they somehow build out a ecosystem of creators, right? The way that Roblox does. But Roblox has been doing this over the last like forever, right? I don't know, ten years. Like it's it's just it's going to be a challenge, right? And more than that, since two thousand six. Yeah, and so I am. I, Again, in in theory and in principle, I am hook, line, and sinker all about the metaverse, right? I think that is the future of interactive, right? But I just have no idea how we're going to get there, right? I just don't. And that's probably a podcast of, in of itself about how we actually get there to that kind of uh, uh, um, system and universe that, that that's created. But I'm excited about it. And maybe when I'm like 70... I'll be sitting there grinding away at my in some metaverse that's epic has created. Who knows? But uh, we will see. JK? Yeah, I don't get a lot of the discussion around the metaverse. I think a lot of it is just nonsense. And the problem is, like, what is the definition of metaverse? Is it MMO Plus or is it Ready Player One? And that gap in, in between MMO Plus and Ready Player One It'll probably be something there, but there's a lot of too much like fuzziness, hand waving, and just intellectual masturbation. So it's just like you're you're an old man, Mr. Joe, <laughs> old man Joe. I, but here's here's the thing: I'm I'm generally really optimistic about technology and about you know new types of things. So if we're talking about like you know AI directly integrated into the brain or other types of technology in other areas, I'm generally all for it, but. There's just way too much fuzziness, hand waviness, and just like vague conceptual stuff being talked about right now, in my, in my opinion. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I guess if the definition is MMO plus rather than Ready Player One, I, sure. Yeah, Fortnite could do something. We'll, we'll see by the end of the year. I guess Tim Sweeney has said something's coming by then. So we'll see what happens. It's about building your virtual avatar, building your virtual self, a, a better representation of yourself, <laughs> progression. It's about achievement. It's about all those things you can't do in real life because your real life sucks and you want to you want to build something in the metaverse, right? I mean, come so like on. There's like, a, there's like a kernel of truth to er- Eric's voice. Like he's really <laughs> hurting inside there. I know. I, I believe in it, right? I, I, I've seen it and my voice is cracking, right? I the World of Warcraft scenario was like was the closest thing that we saw to a metaverse where people were living their lives in this fucking game 
playing nonstop and achieving things and progressing in a guild leading, you know, and, and, and progressing that, that, that made it super compelling to millions and millions of people, right? I don't, I do think that there is a way of designing that for more of a mass market that will be appealing to a much broader audience than nerds that want to play an MMO and pay $9 a month, you know, in a, in a fantasy world, right? I just, I have to, I believe that hundred percent. So, and we're, we're seeing it real time, right? We're seeing people spend an enormous amount of time on Minecraft and Roblox and, entire channels set up in order to watch people play these stupid games right and and i just think there's there's this desire and this need to <laughs> achieve and progress that uh that in some cases people's lives are just not as exciting and interesting like and i always use the same example if you work at walmart eight to nine to five and you come home you can work go into world of warcraft and become the leader of your guild right you could be the warrior who attacks the dragons and destroys you know the armies right like how much more compelling that is than working at Walmart, right? And maybe it's a dystopian future. I don't know. But the thing is, that it is there's a certain level of compelling, you know, living your life in a virtual world has a certain uh, level of satisfaction than, than a lot of people that in their own, in their own world. So I don't know. That's kind of my take. Who's, who's your alter ego in World of Warcraft? Do you have one of these like weird fantasy name like Regdorf or like, you know, Pintar no, or something like that? <laughs> Come on, how do you not know that? It's it's Gossamer. So the name of my company is the name of my character in World of Warcraft. Okay, cool. There you go. I'm living it. I'm living the dream right now. And inside of it, you're actually like an analyst, you know, taking a look at all the different... That's right. I'm sitting there in Excel, grinding away on models, right, in World of Warcraft. What are you doing? Oh, anyway, moving on. All right, last article. Facebook to introduce an app for gaming. Summary here is that uh, Facebook is rolling it out an app focused on watching live gameplay similar to Twitch and Mixer. Mobile app is reported to be made available this upcoming Monday. And apparently, Facebook actually intended to release the app in June, but accelerated its plans, obviously because of all the coronavirus stuff and because gaming is just kind of going off right now. The article also reported that the game has been in soft launch in Southeast Asia and Latin America over the past 18 months. And sounds like the key value prop based upon the article is that Facebook is making it easier to upload streams of mobile games. They're trying to make, make it easier to just upload and stream in general, like not having to have a lot of extra tools and things like that. And also they're trying to make it easy to share to a person's Facebook page. And my own take on this, if I'm being honest, is it does sound a little bit weird focusing on, because one of the other things they, they say is that they're trying to get anyone, everybody to become a streamer. So it seems like they're focusing on long tail streamers. And the point here is like, haven't we learned from a bunch of other platforms that it's really the stars that make all the difference? And so who cares about random amateurs trying to stream? And the other issue I wonder is about, haven't a lot of people already abandoned Facebook. I mean, in terms of younger people and I'm old and even I don't use Facebook that much. I'm, I'm more of a LinkedIn guy, but if we think about it, so let, let, let's take the value prop here. So one long tail amateur streamers. So a lot of people who don't matter in streaming Two, streaming mobile games when on Twitch, all the top games are PC and console and three integration to Facebook when most of the young audience that watch watches these streams are on Snapchat, TikTok, and Instagram. So I don't know. I, just with the limited information that I have, to me, it doesn't sound like 
it's very compelling. But I don't, I don't, do you guys have any thoughts on this? I don't even understand what this thing is, to be honest. And I, just, <laughs> I just listened to your description. What, where does this fit? Like, it's basically the Twitch for mobile? I, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, seems- I think it's like an everyday man's Twitch, easier to upload, and also better support for streaming mobile games. Who the fuck wants to stream mobile games? I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? Anyway, no, I think this is this is just. I mean, I, I, this is a pet one of those pet projects from Facebook, right? That just going to go nowhere, right? Kind of like Apple Arcade and other things that are make no sense. <laughs> come on, I'm, I'm only going to get in shit if I mention anything here. So I am. Yeah, I, 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 I'm out of this. As as a relatively objective <laughs> observer of the mobile market, this seems like an absolute stupidity it's kind of like uh, uh that is eric that? Opi- that's eric's opinion that's not my opinion <laughs> it's like html Legally, we are separate people that's it's like html5 games that's the other one that drives me insane or used to drive me insane back in the day before it died twice i think right anyway yeah this is like this is like the messenger games html5 games it's like these this, the promise and and it's never going to deliver anything so moving on or yeah yeah or streaming, <laughs> or what was the the Hutch thing from uh, Rovio, right? Like streaming, what was that? Hatch. St- streaming games on mobile from the cloud? Yeah. Come on, how does that make sense? <laughs> okay, um, all right. I like those guys, so I'm not gonna say anything about that. <laughs> all right, so before we make any more enemies, <laughs> we're gonna close this out. <laughs> Let's just keep going. I got a, I got a million of them. <laughs> All right, guys, I right. think that's it, unless there's uh, any final comments. No, that's no I got nothing. All right. All right, bye. Bring enough bridges for one day. <laughs>